Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Live from the Toolkit Depot Studio, Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. For Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Don't change the Don't change it gets me going, that opener. I like it. A bit of in excess. We're all charged up. And uh, I think we're all sort of, uh, even at this stage, maybe a bit sleep deprived. I certainly am. Uh, for those people that are up in the early hours of the morning to see what was an interesting encounter in the World Cup match between France and Australia. I've got two things out of the contest, as we know, with France in the end, winning by four goals to one, even though they went behind after only nine minutes, is two things. France are the real deal. Any speculation to suggest that the reigning champions always start a bit slowly in any tournament, uh, I think is a a no-no now. They look every bit uh, the possibility of going very deep into the tournament and maybe making it back-to-back World Cups. They looked very good last night with their strike power. And the other thing that I thought regarding the Socceroos, match fitness. They seem to run out of legs a bit in the uh, the second half and seem to be all of a sudden be simply uh, cones and the French were just waltzing them around. Hopefully they can get their act together. They've got till Saturday night. It's the early kickoff game at 6 o'clock our time when they take uh, Tunisia. But there's always some prizes in the, the World Cup and who would have forecast before the Socceroos French game, the early game, that we'd see Saudi Arabia beat Argentina and I tell you what because Lionel Messi put away a penalty and as we know a lot of betting agencies get involved with the World Cup and if you decided to back Saudi Arabia after Messi had put them in front you would have got 334 to 1 334 to 1. And then, of course, the Saudi storm back to win by two goals to one. Certainly the major upset, one of the biggest upsets in recent World Cup history happening last night in Qatar. Stan Lazaridis is going to join us. As we know, uh, a soccer rule of note. Uh, he's in Doha. He was at the game last night. And Stan's going to join us shortly to take us through the match, how he saw it, ramifications, and any news uh, from the Socceroos camp post that 4-1 defeat to France last night. Then later, I'm going to speak a bit of cricket. Uh, John Townsend, who I regard as a very respected individual, is going to give us an insight of where Australian cricket's at. Like last night was the third ODI, and when Dave Warner and Travis Head waltzed out to start the innings for the Australians, they reckon there was no more than 1,000 people in at the MCG. And by the time the end of the innings occurred, and as we know, 
355 is what the Australians made. They reckon there was about 7,000. And then a few people came in after work and they reckon the official attendance was about 10,000. This is Australia and England. Australia had won the previous two ODIs and all of a sudden the lowest ever cricket crowd to attend the MCG was present last night. Where is Australian cricket at the moment and have they lost a major chunk of their fan base. We'll speak to John Townsend a bit later on. But firstly, let's relive the match last night. France 4, uh, Australia 1. This is how it went. To Leckie on the right flank and a good touch as well. Pavard hit the ground, the cross comes in. Goodwin! Craig Goodwin has the opener. Australia 1-0 up on the French. Australia's moment on centre stage. And the world now knows who the Socceroos are. There's Matthew Leckie, the cross comes in again, the French, they score! Adrian Rabiot on the end of the cross coming in. And it repeats chances, repeat four A's and another one coming up here for Mbappe to Rabiot towards Giroud! And France go 2-1 up, the reigning champions not down for too long. The centre circle plays a long ball vertical towards Antoine Griezmann, clips it back in! How did Kylian Mbappe miss? He came steaming through the middle of the 18-yard box. He was completely goal side of Australia's back four. He got underneath it and shinned it over the bar. Riley McGrath, the left edge of the 18-yard box, gets a cross in, header on target, and hits the posts. Hits the posts and deflects away out for a goal kick. Jackson Irvine, well, that happened out of nothing. The French were flat-footed. We go again down the left through Tio Hernandez. Clips across into the back post. The bicycle kick. The bicycle kick. I beg your pardon. Not far away from Olivier Giroud. He got on the end of it, but he's directed it wide. Antoine Griezmann in midfield picks it up. Just behind the striker. Good one-two to Tio Hernandez inside the 18-yard box. Cuts it back. Griezmann with the shot. Cleared off the goal line. Getting back as quick as he could was Aziz Bayic. Dembele is wide on the right flank and retrieves it for the French, gets it back in and this time Kylian Mbappe does score. The golden boy of French football, one of the world's best, Kylian Mbappe opens his accounts. Mbappe dazzling the crowd again by getting past Nathaniel Atkinson, left foot across, comes in, back post, head up, goal. It is a fourth for France, it is a second for Olivier Giroud. Ball comes in from the corner, and Matt Ryan makes a strong save, flying across to his left. The first save he's made tonight, and it's a good one as well. So there you go. That's how it transpired last night on the SEN World Cup coverage. Uh, 4-1 to France. It could have been a couple more in the end, uh, but uh, they just take that on the chin and need to move on and focus on another two games that now are very important. Tunisia Saturday night and, of course, Denmark next week. This is what the Socceroos coach, Graham Arnold, had to say post-match. Yeah, look, I think uh, at the end of the day, um, the quality the quality of the French team, um, they are the, you know, the, the previous world champions for a reason. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I thought that we started the game very well. Uh, physically... Uh, they were just so much bigger and, and faster and stronger than us uh, today. Um, but uh, look, overall, the boys did everything they could, and that's all I can ask. Only that that opening kind of 25, 30 minutes really felt like that was the the football that you wanted this this Socceroos team to play. Early goal, did you let yourself believe? Yeah, look, I think um, you know we started as I said, we started the game well um, physically. Um, they were, they were, you know, much bigger and stronger. But uh, look, <clears throat> that's what we wanted. That's what we trained on. That type of uh, 
uh, the way we scored that goal. Um, but uh, look, again, overall, it's uh, you know, the boys gave me, gave everything, and that's all you can ask. After that uh, performance with Mbappe having to um, Atkinson marking Mbappe, what do you sort of say to a, a young player like that after that game? He's learned that you know, it's. I thought the kid uh, actually did decently well. You know, he's. Um, he, uh, he did his best against one of the play best players in the world. And, uh, you know, we had Leckie, especially in the first half, Leckie and Jackson Irvine helping. That was the plan. Uh, you know, when Mbappe got the ball, the three of them got out there and, and helped. Um, but uh, how do you stop someone so quick like that? It's uh, very difficult. So um, it's a great lesson for the kid. And, um, you know, he'll move on with it. Graham, how do you pick the players up? Because you now have to beat Tunisia and they... There were a few heads going down towards the end. Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, we've uh, built the belief and, and the energy and the focus. Uh, we've been, you know, the last week since we've been in camp, we've been working hard on building that belief. And the way we started, I think that they believed and, and that, you know, we just got punished by our mistakes. And, you know, the delivery of their crosses was, uh, you know, right on target. But... Um, you know, I'll go back in uh, the dressing room and uh, when we get back to the hotel, I'll, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's that game gone. It was uh, good that the other result was a draw. Um, and now it's about uh, winning on uh, Saturday, so we've got to get ready for it. Uh, Arnie, I was just wondering if that's a clean bill of health for, um, f for the group. I mean, obviously a pretty physical game in mm. the midfield and it looked like Mitch was, um, was flagging a little bit towards the end. Yeah, I think uh, Juki um, got a bit of a knock on his hip in the first half. Um, you know, he did exceptionally well while he was out there. But, uh, no, everyone's fine. You know, it's all about now recovery and uh, getting ready for the next game. Uh, given the short turnaround and, and a different kind of game where you have to get on the front foot and win, are you going to change the way you play and are you going to change the personnel? Yeah, we can do. That's why we've got 26 players here. Um, you know, I just felt that uh, tonight, especially we needed Harry Sutter in that for the size of, you know, Giroud and, and these players with their, the way they deliver crosses and we needed him in the middle and, and that for, these, uh, for this game. But uh, we've got the option of um, obviously changing players and making sure that uh, we get uh, some fresh ones out there. There you go, Graham Arnold at the press conference post-match after the Socceroos 4-1 loss to France. And let's not uh, cast any uh, other illusions other than the fact we're always going to be up against it to even get a result out of France. It all comes down to whether the uh, Socceroos can be good enough to get something out of Tunisia and Denmark. So the two most important games in their group come up now. France was always going to be a real roughie. And in the end, the scoreline probably suggested the uh, difference in class. Stan Lazaridis is a class player. He was a class player for Australia, played in the Premier League, as we know, with the likes of West Ham and other clubs. He's going to join us live from Doha next here on Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. Stan Lazaridis, uh, thanks for joining us on the program. Hey, Pete. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Firstly, tell us about the experience last night. Is it what you expected? Were you disappointed? But in the end, were the French just too good? Yeah, I think the, the last line, Pete, I think um, they were just too good. You know, there were several gears. They just upped them and upped them. And, um, you know, um, it was always going to be tough. But particularly, we started really well with that early goal. And, you know, we were all kind of shell-shocked and happy, surprised, I guess. But, um, 
you know, once they got moving, Mbappe, Dembele and Griezmann in the middle kind of pulling the strings for the team. They were just so quick. We just couldn't keep up, unfortunately. But look, in saying that, we, we shouldn't be too disgraced. We kind of held our own to first half and possibly could have equalised with um, Irvine's header. But um, yeah, once they, um, they came out second half, it was just a one-way show after that. It was interesting, Robbie Slater, former Socceroo, came out today suggesting that, particularly in that second half showing, that maybe the Socceroos are lacking a bit of match fitness. Do you think that's the case, or in the end, we were just exposed by a better side in the second 45? Yeah, look, we just were too exposed. I, I feel for me, at half-time, when, we, when we're at 2-1, we had a chance there at to come in second half and maybe change a few things. I feel uh, Graham Arnold could have helped out Atkinson at right back by maybe either changing him or maybe creating almost double manning Mbappe because he was really that focal point and he was just catching out Atkinson every time. And it was just hard watching. And when he did want to make the changes, it was just a bit too late, you know, we were 4-1 down. And I just feel at half time we're still in the game and I just think we needed a little bit of cover, particularly on our on our full backs and particularly in the right. So saying that, after the experience uh, in the early hours of this morning, our time, last night, your time, yeah. Graham Arnold must have picked up a few things that he would think, I need to implement this in the game against Tunisia on Saturday. Do you think there will be some personnel changes or maybe some movement? Absolutely, yeah. Look, the, the other thing I remember, Peter, um, is games come thick and fast and a lot of energy was expent last night. So the guys have only got, what is it, 48 hours, 72, really only 48 hours to recover. And we definitely need, are going to need some legs in the middle. Maybe, you know, the fullbacks, but to the right, may have to have a blow. Up front, Duke was kind of out of running after an hour. And I think definitely personal changes. I, I will say... Tunisia are not going to be any easy beats. They were really, really impressive for me and um, kind of shocked me in the way they played against Denmark. So it's going to be a tough game. Mm. What about the fact that many thought that maybe Jamie McLaren should have come on for Cummings in that second half? There's been a bit of criticism of Arnie regarding that move. Honestly saying, Peter, I, I don't feel that would have made any difference. No disrespect to either or. I feel the changes that may, may have made a difference was, would have been the right back for us. I feel that's where we needed to... We needed to double man the buffet or someone just, uh, just kick in or something because mm. it was just... It was a little bit embarrassing when, you know, he kind of flat-footed Atkinson quite a few times stop starting in out crosses i mean you know they really peppered our our defenders you know and we and we held up to half time and i i feel for me that's what if i was to criticize arnie for anything i just think there but i'm not sure what his options were in fairness to him um and you know the occasion is it's overwhelming you know um you're playing against the world's best some say they had doubts they were missing four or five key players last night peter you know and um, for me, they, them and England look like the standout team so far. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you that next question. Of course, prior to that game earlier, uh, shockwaves would have been reverberating around Qatar with Argentina going down to Saudi Arabia by two goals to one, particularly after Argentina yeah. went ahead through that Lionel Messi penalty. What was the feedback and the post-mortem on that result? Well, i tell you one thing. Saudi Arabia got a public holiday today. <laughs> so... Uh, all- all them guys are going to day off. Um, I look, you know, I guess Argentina could have been two or three nil up at half time. VAR, another massive talking point. I'm sure you're probably going to analyse that further into the uh, into this tournament. Um, and I just probably think they got complacent. I, I, I think I feel Peter. Um, you know, came out second half and against I guess a run of play. Saudis, they deserved it. They really did deserve it. Two great goals. And for me, Argentina. They had no, there was no, a bit lackluster, no creativity. I was disappointed with Angel Di Maria, DePaul in the middle, Messi was, was not his usual. It just didn't seem the same Argentina for me, but they had no, no answers. There was no, it lacked spark and they never looked like winning, if I'm being honest. Mm. You've played in World Cups. You know about the uh, what goes down. Uh, but this one is a different one because it's been played in November and December. And we've been discussing, actually, with a couple of our experts that uh, when it comes to players that play in the top leagues, because they've played a number of league yeah. matches, like in the Premier League, in the Bundesliga, uh, they already have their touch. They're already fit. So clubs, as you yeah. said, nations like England yeah. and Germany and whatever, you think that they are certainly, and France, are probably in the box seat for that reason. Yeah. Well done, Pete. Absolutely. Where have we got your information? Um, they are, look, these sort of countries, they're just a step quicker. The passes are crisper. They're more alert. And, yeah, you can say what you want, but you can't get near these guys. You know, they're just a, a, a yard too quick. And, you know, normally at the end of the season when the World Cups are generally played June, July... You know, the seasons are long and hard and players are kind of tired towards the end of the season. And it's probably a little bit more even and the pace of the games is slower. Make no mistake, the pace out there in what I've seen, like watching Netherlands, Senegal, that pace was electric. England were electric. France, I mean, we just couldn't get near and Wasn't we didn't... We huffed and puffed and we gave everything. It was just the speed that these guys moved the ball around. Right now, they are just a yard a yard faster than everybody else. What about the actual World Cup? A lot has been said. I've enjoyed the game so far. There's been goals. Okay, there was a couple of scoreless draws uh, overnight, but there was enough interest in those to keep people on the edge of their seats. So yeah. Generally, what's the feel in Doha, Stan? Oh, look, it, it's better than I expected, if I'm being honest. I were, you know, I wasn't expecting uh, it to be like the previous World Cups, but it's a lot better than I expected. I agree with you. I think this World Cup is just purely, purely football matches, one after the after the other. It's not like what goes on in the rest of the country and the rest of it. Um, the, the, what I've noticed as well is, as you mentioned, that the speed of the game so far are quicker than any other World Cup I've known. Um, I was expecting some upsets in the first round. The first few games, there, was, there wasn't any. Then all of a sudden, the Saudis started. Tunisians are looking... Are looking reasonable. You look at um, the game, Poland, Mexico, a bit of a letdown, Lewandowski missing a penalty. So, look, there's plenty on offer. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, we're, I'm, I'm a passionate football lover, so are you. So, 
you know, how can you not how can you not like these sort of events? Uh, it's a magnificent event. Don't worry about that. Uh, as I let you go, Stan, just a couple of final questions. Of course, we see the other yep. Asian powerhouse, the Blue Samurai, in action tonight. I'm calling that game with Richard Garcia, okay. Germany against Japan. We've seen Iran, of course, concede six. We've seen Australia concede four. We just see how Japan go tonight. They're not the Blue Samurai that you came up with many years ago, but to, of course, in the qualification yep. to the 2006 World Cup. Uh, do you think Asian football maybe a step back a bit in regards to the other conferences? Oh, good question. Uh, look, right now, I'd have to say yes. I, I, I would say that the other the other continents, particularly when you look at the, uh, England and France, as you mentioned before, it just seems like there's a there's a gap at the moment, and the gap's widening. Um, and it, you know, I, I'm going to the game Germany and Japan today as well. So I'll be interested to see how the Germans come out because not a lot has been said. Their kind of lead up hasn't been, you know, by all the typical German sides that we know. But Germany's Germany. They somehow are a well-oiled machine. They find a way to make quarterfinals, semifinals. It's just what they do. Um, but of all kind of World Cups, I'm not quite sure this is going to be their World Cup and whether they're building for the next one because the young, younger side. Uh, it'd be interesting to see to today's game and that question you just asked, just to see how far Japan is behind Germany. Yeah, good call. And finally, uh, what do you expect Saturday? The Socceroos against Tunisia. As you said, you saw Tunisia uh, in that nil-all draw against yeah. Denmark. Uh, what do you expect? It's make or break for the Socceroos on Saturday. Yeah, well, speaking to some Tunisians, they're, basically, they're looking at, at us as, as the win. They're going out. They were happy with the draw, and they're looking at three points against us. They feel very confident. My concern is obviously the time of the game of when it's played is, is the heat and the Tunisians are going to be far better acclimatised. You know, um, Arnie's going to have to put some fresh legs out there. And equally, we've got to be going in against Tunisia and making sure that we feel like we're going to get something out of the game. So, um, obviously, the first game was the right result for us, being a nil-nil draw. So, that still gives us hope that, you know, result against Tunisia then falling down to Denmark. Mm. Stan, I'll let you go on. I know you've got a busy time, part of the uh, Fanatics group yeah. over there, uh, and I know they love having you with them. Uh, hopefully we'll touch base early next week and we can review exactly how the soccer is progressing. Enjoy the rest of your time there, mate, and thanks for making time for me today. Yeah. Always, Peter. Thank you very much for having me on. Good thank on you. you. Stan Lazaridis, uh, soccer great, joining us here on Sports Day. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to talk a bit of cricket uh, after the break with a man that's very learned here in Western Australia, knows his cricket. I'm going to ask him about the events at the MCG yesterday, which was quite amazing. By the way, the Waffle Grand Final has been, date has been confirmed, not the venue. I'll give you details of that after the break as well. It's 27 past five. Sports Day with Peter Vlahos for Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Yeah, great to have your company, and we're going to talk a bit of cricket now because the final 
of the ODI series between Australia and England was played at the MCG last night. I want to have a chat to John Townsend, very respected uh, cricket uh, journalist come commentator, has been following cricket at uh, the elite level, that is at the national level and even the interstate level for many years. So I invited John to have a chat about cricket on the program today. Speaking of cricket, interesting developments at the SCG. Stumps on day two in the Sheffield Shield match between New South Wales and WA. WA were dismissed in their first innings for 127 and then New South Wales were routed for 93 and at Stumps on day two, uh, WA 233, in fact, sorry, 100 and, let's just check it. Yeah, 127. Sorry, they made 233 in the first innings, 127 in the second innings. New South Wales were dismissed uh, 93 in their first time at bat. So uh, certainly a lot of wickets in the uh, game at the SCG. Let's talk cricket with John Townsend. John, thanks for your time. Thanks, Peter. And from those scores, WA are well on top. Yeah, I think they lead by about... Two... Tomorrow, about yeah, <laughs> and it looks like 267 they lead by, and it looks like yeah. they'll uh, continue their dominance in this season's Sheffield Shield, unbeaten and top of the tree, so it's looking good. Yeah, their, their depth is good. They've, they've got some outstanding talent. It's the, the legacy of a of several times in the last probably six or eight years they've had groups of young players come to, come through, and we're seeing the latest lot too. You know, Teague Wiley... I mean, he had a, he got 100 earlier in the year. He's battled a little bit since then, but we know that it, he, he's shown that he's a pretty good player. And then those other, those real hardened players, you know, Cartwright, Bancroft, Whiteman, Darcy Short as well, even though he hasn't really had a great Shield career. He, he's played for Australia. He's a very good player. They're they on the top of their game. So they've got... Yeah. And they're not... And the other thing too, that, that's to WA's benefit, they're not losing a lot to Australia. Even though Cam Green's a... You know, he's a he's a um, essential part of the test of one-day sides. Now playing T20 cricket, Josh Inglis is on the road a bit and we know Richardson's injured. But they're not losing a lot of players to Australia. So they've got, you know, international quality players. Bancroft, Cartwright, uh, Richardson, they've all played test cricket for Australia and they're playing for WA more often than not. And it's very similar to what happened in WA in the late 90s, you know, when they had Langer, Martin, Gilchrist, Moody, Angel, Julian, all these players who were good enough to play for Australia but couldn't get picked for Australia. And they were all there at the same time for WA, and WA had a great period, and it's, it's being repeated again now. Yep, a lot on uh, the shoulders. You think of Corey Rocciolli uh, tomorrow in the second time of bat for New South Wales. Took four wickets. Uh, in dismissing New South Wales for 93. I'm very impressed with Matthew Kelly, by the way. Uh, uh, John, 3-4-9 off seven overs, uh, and he's taking wickets left, right and centre at the moment. He's a very, very exciting oh, product, isn't oh, he? he? He is. He's a very steady player. He's very similar to a lot of players we've seen for WA over the years. Just a very consistent, you know, you're very consistent in what he does. Doesn't go outside the doesn't swim outside the flags all that often. Just turns up, does his job. He's very reliable. He's very durable. Doesn't miss too much. Reminds you a bit of, you know, players like Joe Angel and, and Ken McClay to some degree. Maybe not the same in their style and the way they, you know, the, the skills that they have, but just the fact that they turn up, they do the same job Monday to Friday, no hesitation, keep doing it week in, week out, and the, the team's, the, you know, benefits from their reliability. You've covered international cricket for a long time, John. You've been involved in cricket uh, for a number of years. 
And at the moment, there is a real question mark about where Australian cricket, that is the appreciation of the Australian national cricket team sits. Uh, damning figures in relation to the third one-day international of the MCG. There were a couple of showers of rain. Of course, the weather wasn't great and it was reduced to 48 overs yesterday. But when David Warner and Travis Head strode out to the centre of the wicket, they reckoned there was no more than 1,000 people at the start of that uh, third ODI. There was maybe 7,000 by the time the innings was over and the official attendance was around 10,000. Why has it gone that way? Because the attendances for Australian games, even in the World T20 uh, World Cup, weren't exactly fantastic. Oh, look, I think there's a combination of things, Peter. One, the team's not playing all that well. We, they were very good, obviously, last summer. Test cricket, they're, they're outstanding. And I, I have no doubt they will be dominant again in test cricket this summer. They won't lose a test match. And, mm-hmm. and they'll beat South Africa and, and the West Indies, both of whom are pretty thin on talent, I think they'll beat them very comfortably. But there's a few things going on, including obviously what happened with Justin Langer at the, at the start of this year when he got squeezed out as, as coach. The players didn't want him. The players got rid of him. They've replaced him with their man in Andrew McDonald. And I, I think Andrew McDonald's a, a solid character and he knows his stuff, but he's, he's there at the behest of the players. He can't crack the whip with them. And I wonder if George Bailey's in the same boat as well, the chairman of selectors and we saw him not that long ago sitting on the bench in amongst the players wearing his team track suit. It was a very poor look, I, I thought, for a, for a chairman of selectors who has to be dispassionate and, and make hard decisions about players in their careers. To be in there in the middle of them laughing and yahooing with, with players was a very poor look. And now, that's only one element. I, mm. I think they, they've had a, a period where they haven't performed well. And in fact, I mean, they smashed England. And I think we saw against England in this three one-day series probably signs of what we'll see in the Test Series. The, the fast bowlers will dominate and the top order will be very strong. But why didn't they do it three weeks ago when they were defending a world title on their home soil? They, they, were, they were very poor in the World Cup. They didn't look as though they were ready to go. They didn't play to their merits. And, and they got beaten pretty comfortably, losing that first game to New Zealand so poorly, set them up for the rest of the, the tournament, and they, they couldn't make up that ground, obviously. So they've, they, they're picking and choosing when they are, they're ready to play. They're, they're a compromising team. They, they don't play uncompromising cricket. When everything goes right, they play pretty well. When something goes wrong, they play poorly. And I think that the, the crowd, the people in Australia that follow cricket, probably have some... Uh, they're, they're disaffected because of it. Because of Langer, because of the, the form slumps, the, the fact that the players pick and choose, that Pat Cummins, the captain, is having a say about... You know, he, he's swimming outside the, the, the flags a bit. He's going into areas that are not his concern. And what's it matter to the captain of Australia where, the, where his income comes from? And mm, he, he's, mm. you know, having a crack at a sponsor, even though he, you know, flies around the world he, he uses up a fair bit of uh, uh, petrochemicals in him making his millions of dollars a year. And here he is saying to Cricket Australia, I don't want your one of your major sponsors. So I think that, that burns people a bit. Plus, it's, a, it's early in the season too. You know, World Cup being played at the start of the summer in October. There's only ever been six international matches before November in Australian history. And here you have right. having a, a World Cup tournament in, in October. So 
really, a, you know, they got off to a bad start. It's been poorly sold. The leadership at Cricket Australia is at its lowest ebb in many, many years. And we're seeing that on any number of issues, including the handling of, of David Warner in recent times, the, the Justin Langer situation, um, the fact that, you know, the players are running the show. I, I think people, people are disaffected. You know, mm. it's a great Australian sport. There's great affection for cricket. But people are saying, we don't need this. And while Steve Smith and, and David Warner are involved, there's a fair percentage of Australian cricket fans are thinking, I'm not interested while they're there. But they, uh, you know, they smeared the country and uh, they're back into the team. There's a very strong sense of that, I think, that yeah. you know, while That's those players are there, people, are, people aren't very happy with Australian cricket. Now you've wrapped it up very uh, well, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. So saying that, on November the 30th, we've got a test match, and we've been devoid of test matches because of COVID over the last couple of years. We've got the West Indies here. I'm a bit uh, frightened by the turnout and how many people actually go. West Indies certainly aren't the test team that we grew up supporting in the 70s and 80s. They're a far shadow of that. After all, they failed to get into the major draw in the T20 World Cup. Uh, there's still that protest vote, I reckon, against Justin Langer by a lot of West Australians. Could it be embarrassing, the attendances at the Test match? Uh, well, I, I'm hearing that the ticket pre-sales, and this is only a week before the, the match, are in the hundreds. No, not in the thousands. They're in the hundreds of sales. It could, mm. it could be a record low whacker test. And remember that, a uh, WA test, remember when Zimbabwe came in October 2003, one of those very few internationals, played before November, crowds are in the low thousands. And I think this could be replicated again next week, very, very sadly, at a, at a stadium that is a fantastic, fantastic place to play cricket. But when people are reading that the WACA chief executive is deciding to have a holiday rather than attend the first test match in Perth in three years, they're probably thinking to themselves, why should I bother turning up? If the most significant and most senior administrator in WA cricket thinks it's not worth going to, why should I bother going? I'd, I think there's a lot of elements in Australian cricket and West Australian cricket at the moment that are working against the best interests of the game. And I think we're going to see it. People will vote with their feet next week. And it, whether it's embarrassing or not, that's for, for people to decide, I suppose. But I'm sure the numbers will be very low. John, as we leave you, uh, you love your cricket. You've played, of course, community cricket. Uh, you love the sport. You've covered it very well as a professional journalist come commentator for a number of years. Are you a bit concerned regarding the state of the game and the sport here in Western Australia or in Australia for that? Oh, well, look, only the one thing I'd say, Peter, over, over many, many decades, and clearly before your and my time in the game, but, you know, World War... World Wars came along. World Series came along. Don Bradman retired. There were all these moments where cricket was challenged. And over more than a century, cricket's always found a way to get through, to find the next generation of stars, to get the next generation of supporters and people who come to the game because it is, it's such a fantastic game. It, it's, you know, it, it resonates with Australians and with people all around the world. Um, so from that sense, I'm not worried about the long-term future of the game. The game will survive, as, as it always has done. But I am concerned about where it is at the moment and the fact that we now live in a world where, you know, competition for time and for eyeballs has never been stronger, for either from other sports or from other activities or 
people who just don't really even have a have a um, you know a, a strength of commitment to the sport itself. So that's the one thing about it that causes some concerns for me. But on the whole, I'm I'm an optimist about cricket. And as I said, you know, World Series cricket came even the ball tampering in South Africa four years ago. You know, the world the world stopped then, mm. but that's you know the the game has recovered even even though it's been up and down. The game always recovers. Cricket will always out. And I'm very confident that cricket will out again. But it's going through a pretty tough patch at the moment, that's for sure. Yeah, good on you, John. Thanks for joining us. Uh, love talking no cricket. I'm, gl- Thanks, I'm glad I got you on tonight. You gave us your opinion, and I agree with you. Thanks for your time. Cheers. Cheers, Pete. See you good on you. John Townsend there talking about you know, the state of Australian cricket. What do you think? Uh, get on the temper at Bedshed Text Machine, 0487. 736 736. Uh, we'll do it again. I like that little uh, ding dong. 0487 736 736. Do you agree with John Townsend? I certainly do in a lot of aspects. And it's quite damning uh, in relation. John gets all the inside information regarding cricket that ticket sales for the first test of the summer, West Indies taking on Australia at Optus Stadium, it gets underway a week today. The ticket sales are in the hundreds and not the thousands. And I'm just wondering how much it's going to improve. And he made an interesting point, uh, Christina Matthews, who has been a, a friend of ours and has been on my program many a time over the years. The CEO of the Wacker has decided to take uh, a break on the eve of WA hosting uh, their first test match at Optus Stadium in three years. So interesting times when it comes to cricket. In fact, tomorrow I'll be speaking to the interim chair of the West Australian Cricket Association, Avril Fay. As we know, there's been a lot of uh, uproar and certainly people leaving the Wacker board, a lot of controversy, a lot of politics have been played out. Graham Wood, Mike Valletta exited. Uh, there then was uh, elections for independents to come onto the Wacker board. We'll find out where it is. I think Johnny Vererity possibly will get on. And there's also talk about Michael Gannon, the former head of the Australian Medical Association, also getting a position on the board. We'll find out exactly where WA Cricket is at when we speak to Avril Fay, the interim chair of the West Australian Cricket Association, uh, tomorrow here on Sports Day. Now, the Waffle Grand Final is a long way off, but it's been confirmed. I think they're going to stick with it after the success this year at Leederville Oval, that it will be played a week after the AFL Grand Final. It's come out officially. The Waffle Grand Final is said to be played post the AFL Grand Final. Put it down in your diary, Saturday, October 7, 2023. So there you go. Uh, I think they're going to stick with it, and why not? It was a great success of a Leederville Oval, uh, because that week after the AFL Grand Final, everybody could focus on uh, grassroots community and state footy. Fantastic. All right. With the exception of SEN Track 657, after the break, we'll be picking up the first game of the World Cup program for tonight. Those people on SEN 657 Track, he'll be back with Sports Day coming up next with Peter Vlahos. Sports Day with Peter Vlahos for Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Yeah, Peter Vlahos here with Sports Day uh, at the moment on SEN Track 657. Well, the first of four-year AFL players are back at training. A lot of uh, 
free talk leading up to this point regarding Alistair Clarks and the brand new coach of the North Melbourne Kangaroos. He addressed the players today. Let's have a listen. This is you guys. That patch right there. And so this, I won't bore you with it now, is actually a, a poem called The Dash. It's just making the most of the opportunity you've got. Now, The Dash is really 80 years in hundreds and hundreds of years of living civilization. But in terms of the 80 years that you've got, what are you going to do with those 80 years? And in terms of maybe the 10 years you've got of playing footy, what are you going to do with that 10 years? Because this doesn't go forever. What do you guys have got the opportunity to do right now is really, really special. Really, really special. But you'll quickly find out here that we ain't getting involved in this footy club all on the basis just like, oh, we're just searching for players that can play the game. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're searching for players that can play in an AFL premiership team. So there'll be some players that will come and go from here and they've come and gone from other places I've been at too. They say, oh, he's capable of playing league footy, yeah. There's a lot of blokes capable of playing league footy. There's a lot of them that will get that opportunity. They can play. Can they play at the highest level on the last Saturday in September and be part of a team that holds the silverware at the end of the day? That's what we're searching for. And that's what we, Toddy mentions before about high performance. Everything, whether it's what you do down in the gym, whether it's you do with Mary with the, in the mental health space and the, the high performance space, whether it's to do with your training, whether it's to do with your lifestyle away from the footy club, everything is about this dash, giving yourself the best opportunity at this footy club and we'll, do, we'll put resources in place to help you as best you can to maximise your opportunity to be the best you can be and the best, more importantly, we can be. So it's all about sacrificing the me for the we. And the whole of society in all your lives is trying to make it about the individual and we're trying to make it about the group. You want to dig in, you lads, and learn some stuff about footy and say, we're going to do this together. You guys that are sitting down here and all the staff that are sitting on the outside, we're doing this together, the whole lot of us. Okay, we are doing this together. And if we do, geez, you look how quickly this can happen. Sounds like a Greek philosopher, does Alistair Clarkson. We can do it together, and we can do it together tomorrow from 5 here on Sports Day. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Lee. Hope you've enjoyed the program. Back again tomorrow, as I said, from 5. Avril Fay, the interim chairperson of the WAC, are one of my special guests. I look forward to your coverage tonight as well. World Cup coverage. Uh, I'll be joined by Richard Garcia. We'll bring you Germany and Japan from 8.30 Western Standard Time tonight. See you tomorrow. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91